The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a week into the new year. I hope that you are accomplishing all that you set out to accomplish with any New Year's resolutions that you might have made. About six months ago, we as a church said for the fiscal year of July to July, we are going to really try to emphasize three things. We said we want to be a church that connects people. We want to be a church of generosity, and we want to be a church of prayer. Those were the three things we set out. Not that that's all that a church is, but those are the three things that we set out to grow in, knowing that if we grew in those things, then we would be better positioned to fulfill our mission to make the disciples for the glory of God, to make disciples for the glory of God. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. Everything happens because of that mission. But knowing that if we grew in those three areas, we would be able to better accomplish that goal. So we set out for that six months ago. I talked about these things. I don't think we can overemphasize the importance of these three goals, these three goals of connection, generosity, and prayer. We can't overemphasize them. So for the next three weeks, we are going to revisit them. We're going to revisit them in a series we're calling Focus because we do need to focus on what we're trying to accomplish in the last six months of this fiscal year. So today we're talking about connection. We're talking about the importance of being known. This is not something we fail to talk about. We talk about it almost on a weekly basis in some way or another because we live in a world that is not well connected. There are people that are struggling to be known and the importance of being known is huge. So I want to start today. I want to start today with a question. Who are the people in your life that know you? And when I say know, I mean know you. They know who you are. I feel like I personally am a pretty transparent person. Okay, what you see is pretty much what you get. But even though I'm conscious of that, even though I'm aware that I'm a pretty transparent person, not everyone gets to see every piece of me. And I'm not atypical in that. All of us, all of us reveal different levels of ourselves to different people based upon the relationship that we have. I hold back around some people. In fact, those of you who know people who don't hold back, the oversharers in the room where it's like, that's way more information than I need to know about you because we do not have that relationship. Those oversharers are actually somewhat awkward and, and we all know them. It's uncomfortable. Why? Because we have been taught to keep our guard up. Don't let our guard down ever. When we're at work, when we're at school, keep your guard up. We all have friends and acquaintances, okay? Two separate groups of people. Friends, they get to see behind the curtain. They get to peel back more layers. Acquaintances, they get our best foot forward, or at least the best version of our best foot forward on that given day. Friends get a little bit more than acquaintances. That's not weird. We try not to be super vulnerable around people, except for those in whom we feel very safe. I I hope you have people in your life in whom you feel safe being around, being vulnerable with. 
But for the most part, we don't get to vulnerability with just the general masses. My people, the people I know and that know me, they are the ones who get to see me with my guard down the most. My wife is that number one person for better or worse. She gets the whole enchilada. She gets all of me. She gets to see every piece of me, the good, the bad, the ugly. She gets all of that because she is my person. There's no one with whom I have more intimate connection than with her. She gets to see all of who I am. Now, I have other people. Jay, our executive pastor, he's someone who gets to see the good and the bad. I don't have to put on a face with him. He knows me too well. If I put on a face, he'll call it out. He gets to see the real me. I have a group of friends. And now there's different levels even within my friends of this. Add in the fact that I'm a pastor and there's a lot of me that you get to see that is guarded. It doesn't mean it's fake. It's just guarded. But there's a very, very small group of people that get to see the completely unguarded Todd. And I believe that's probably true for you as well. There should be people in your life that get to see the unguarded version of you. In our culture, we have a very big connection problem. And here's the problem. You are connected with more people through technology than ever before. You are connected with more people because of the technology that we have than ever before. The world is right here at your feet and you feel like you have relationship with people that you really do not have relationship with. And that's because of technology. But the people who know you, the people who are physically present in your life, who are walking with you, talking with you, doing life with you, that number is shrinking. And I'm not saying you have to have 12 people that know you to be a healthy human being. For each of us, we have a certain number of people that we need in our life to allow us to better fulfill our life. For all of us, we have that number. For some, it's just one. If you've got your spouse, you're good. For others, it's 20. But we all need to be known. We all need to have people that are physically present in our life. We need to have people who will be there to celebrate our wins with us. Not jealously, not Oh, I'm so glad you accomplished that. But truly, that's amazing. We've been working towards that for so long. That's awesome. People there to pick us up in our failures because we're going to fail and not gloat about it. Oh, you tried so good, buddy. But to be there to go, I'm so sorry. I know what that meant to you. I know how hard you worked for this. I was right there with you that whole time. Now, come on, let's get up. It's going to be okay and those who will walk with us when the road gets really rough. Because life is not easy. And the road does get hard. And it's far easier to walk those difficult roads with someone else beside us than it is to do so alone. The Bible speaks to the importance of doing life with one another. That's so clearly stated in Scripture. The importance of not being alone, being known by someone who is present in your life. And I'm going to read some passages here that are from a list of scripture known as the one another's. These are things that we are supposed to do with and for one another. 
the connection and the community that we need is for one another. But I want us to see the importance. And, and as we read through these, I want you to be asking yourself, who are these people in my life? And if you cannot think of someone, if you cannot think of a name, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're busted. It means simply these are things that God said you need to have in your life. These are people that God says you need to have in your life that will be this for you. And so it's a goal. It's an opportunity. It's something that we can work towards. So we begin with the first one. Do you have people in your life who accept you just the way you are? Do you have people in your life who accept you just the way you are? Romans 15 verse 7 says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Accept people the way Christ accepted us in order to bring praise to God. When we accept others the way Jesus accepts us, it brings praise and glory to God. We need people who are not just in our life because we have it all together. We don't just need people in our life that's like, hey, you're easy to be around. But we need people in our life who love us despite the fact that we don't have it all together. Who are with us despite the fact that we are a broken mess. Jesus came to this earth to be a part of our broken mess. We need people who aren't afraid of that, who don't run at the first sign of distress, at the first crack, they disappear. No, we need people who understand we are broken. We need people who unconditionally love and accept us. That's what we need in our life. Can you name that person for you? Do you reciprocate that unconditional love and acceptance to that person? Because a relationship needs to go both ways. Can you think of a person's name that loves and accepts you just for who you are? No games, no scoreboard, just loves you because of who you are. Can you think of that person? It's probably a family member, very close friend. But then are you that for that person? And the reason I ask this is because we all need it. We all need people in our life who accept us just the way we are. Number two, do you have people who will help you carry the burdens of life? I don't know if you're aware of this church, but life gets heavy sometimes. It becomes such a weight that we can collapse, we can fall. Do you have people that will come alongside and say, can I carry that burden with you or for you? Can, can I help you with that? Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. And I love this. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What, what is the law of Christ? Well, it's very simply to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So by carrying each other's burdens, you're fulfilling that love your neighbor part. You're stepping in in their moment of need. We need people who will run into the fire of your life instead of running away from it. You've, of course, heard the adage of the heroes, especially the heroes of 9-11, who ran into the chaos, who ran into the fire while everyone else was running out. They were the heroes of that day many of whom gave up their lives. You need people who will run into the fire with you instead of running away from it. We, are, we need people in our lives who are not consumed with their own struggles. And that's a huge one because we live in a very self-centered, egocentric world. Most people 
will be concerned about you until something little happens to them. But do you have people that will be more concerned about you and less consumed with their own struggles so they can be there to help you with yours? Struggles come in all shapes and forms. There's financial struggles. Do you have someone in your life who would literally step in and go, no question asked, I'm just going to help you this month because you need it. Do you have someone in your life that would do that? Emotional struggles. Life gets hard. Burdens are heavy. My wife gets this better than just about anyone else. And I'm always compelled by her acts of kindness, by her emotional support of people. If you saw our family calendar, no less than twice a month for the next year, on certain dates, it'll just say, tell so-and-so you love her. Tell so-and-so you love him. And what that means is on that date, that particular person suffered a horrible tragedy, usually the loss of a loved one. And it's so simple. She knows on that day to call that person and say, I love you. I'm with you. I'm thinking about you. I know most of these people, but I'm not the one putting it on the calendar. She is. She's emotionally there to carry the burdens of hard days with people that she knows and loves. Financial, emotional, spiritual burdens. Do you have someone that will walk with you and push you to pursue Christ even when you don't feel like it, even when it seems impossible? Do you have people that will truly pray with you and not just say they're going to, to get you off their back? Oh, I'll be praying for that. That text, we, we've joked about that in the last year or so. Oh yeah, praying for you, but yet you never pray. Do you have people who will actually take the time to hit their knees to pray for you? We all need that. None of us can carry the burden of this world alone. But to do it with someone is so much easier. Number three, do you have people in your life who will encourage you? Just simply encourage you in life. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another Build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Paul's saying, hey, church in Thessalonica, you're doing a great job of this. But I need you to encourage one another and build each other up. I need you to continue to do that. So many times in our life, people, people, not necessarily our friends, but people discourage us. They say the wrong thing. They disappear at the worst possible moment. You ever had that? Someone you thought you could count on, and when you really need them, they're nowhere to be found. They let us down. They unintentionally hurt us because the comparison game drives a wedge in your relationship. You have something I don't have, and I'm jealous now, so I'm gone. You need people who encourage you, specifically encourage you towards Christ, but in general, just encourage you, let you know it's going to be okay. Encourage you towards your dreams and the desires of your heart. They know them because you've shared them 
with them. They know the dreams and desires of your heart. And they say, hey, how's that going? How are we doing as you seek after this dream or this desire? Do you have people who know you well enough and are invested enough to encourage you? To see where you're going. To know the end goal and to want to help you get there. Can you name that person? I've read this passage of scripture many times here at Summit, but it's just so good. It's written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, talking about how life seems to be meaningless, but the one thing he seemed to find meaning in is in connection, is in relationship. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read the whole passage. It says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. Verse 10, If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Oh, it's good to have a buddy there to help you up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's sad. That's not how it's supposed to be. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The cold, dark nights of the soul. We need another person there to give us strength and to give us warmth. Verse 12. The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves in a cord of three strands. That is not quickly broken. Being known by people makes work easier. It makes life easier. Church, if you think, oh, it's just easier to do it alone, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're deceived. It's not. Being known gives you hope and help when you fall, and we're all going to stumble. None of us are perfect. We're all going to stumble. Being known gets you through the cold, dark nights of sorrow. It gives you warmth and compassion, friendship, and hope. Being known protects you from being overrun. This world will come after you. Satan will come after you. Being known protects you from being overrun. As a church, I want to be known in this church so that I can be better cared for and I can care for others better. I don't just want to come in and sit. I don't just want to watch online. I want to be known so that I can be cared for and I can care for others. And I hope the same is true for you. I think within our church, there's many ways for you to be known. Our staff needs to know who you are. If you don't know our staff, Get to know our staff. What does that require? It requires you walking up and introducing yourself, letting us know who you are and how we can serve you because that's what we're here to do. Serving in an area of ministry will help you be known. It will also give you purpose within the church. Being plugged into a ministry like this, like a women's ministry or being part of our youth ministry, being part of our men's ministry, being part of our worship ministry, being part of a ministry being engaged in not just Sunday morning, but something more intimate and a little smaller will help you be known. Being in a home group or a community group will help you be known. These are ways, these are mechanisms that our church currently has to help you be known, to help you have people. And I'll say it again. You need to be known for many reasons, but none more important than for the times in your life when your world comes crashing down. That's when you most need to be known. Who is your 1 a.m. phone call? 
Okay, you, you may have a contact list of hundreds of people, but who's the person you call at 1 a.m. when your world comes crashing down? I'll never forget the night my mom passed away, walking out of the ER, having just experienced the greatest tragedy of my life and seeing my people there. I didn't call them. I didn't ask them to be there. They were just there sitting in the waiting room. There was nothing they could do to make me feel any better. Not one thing in the world, but they were there and I will never forget that. The only clue I have, the only reason I think any of them knew to be there was that we had a six-month-old child at that point, and we literally put him in his car seat in the living room of one of my best friends on staff at that time, put him in the living room and said, we have an emergency, we got to go. We didn't explain, we just dropped the bag in the kid, and we flew to the hospital. And then he and the rest of my people were there. They just came. They were just there in that moment to hug and to sit and to listen, to watch me cry. Church, you don't have to be in a women's Bible study to be known, but you need to be known. You don't have to be in a home group to be known, but you need to be known. You don't have to serve in an area of ministry to be known, but you have to be known. You need to be known. And it's on you. It's on you to position yourself to be known. I can provide avenues, vehicles for you to be known, but you have to choose to take them. That, that's on you. You have to be realistic with what it takes for people to know you. You have to be willing to put yourself out there to sacrifice a little, to be known and to know others. No one in this church should ever walk through their hardest moments alone. No one. So I end with the same question I began with. Are you known? Are you known? Do you have people? Are you connected? My prayer that is if you are not at this moment that you can find that connection here. My prayer that is if you are not, you will trust in the Lord to lead and guide you towards the correct relationships and people. My prayer is that you will realize that connection is not a one-way street. It's a relationship. So it goes both ways. You don't just get to reap the benefits of connection. You need to be able to be the benefit to someone else. That's how we grow as a church. That's how we better fulfill our mission and vision to make disciples for the glory of God. We do it when we are not working as individuals, but we're working as one, one connected body, one church for one purpose, for one glory, and that is the glory of Jesus Christ. Are you known? Are you known? And today, if you're not, I pray you take the steps to be so. Father, thank you for coming to rescue us through your son, Jesus, for coming to know us and to want relationship with us. I ask and I hope that those who feel isolated, alone, who feel 
overwhelmed and burdened, Lord, that you would send people into their lives that would free them from some of that weight, that would encourage them and strengthen them, that would be there with them and for them, that they could then return that blessing to someone else and that we would be a church that is full of people who are connected to one another and to you. Our relationship with you is what matters most. Your Holy Spirit is what we desire. Unify us through that spirit. May our faith secure our desire to be in community with one another. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.